And I think if you honor yourself, that you'll be uplifted and you'll walk a little lighter, your shoulders will be a little further back, your head will be a little taller, and you'll be able to not only walk in your truth, but encourage others to do the same. You're listening to Let's Be Honest, the show where we are celebrating spiritual diversity, one truth, and one story at a time. I'm your host, Michael Anthony, spiritual life coach and intuitive reader from thedivinerlife.com. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 15. This is an extra special episode for me today because my guest is someone that I have met live and in person and who has very recently come into my life. Today, I am chatting with my friend and yoga teacher, Pam Delatoile. Pam has been a health and wellness professional for 37 years and has a master's education in psychology and human behavior. She is a life coach, a personal trainer, and a registered Yoga Alliance instructor, as well as a nutrition coach and consultant. Her passion is for both human and animals to create a healthy, clean, love-filled world where all lives are viewed as sacred gifts. In January 2020, she founded a nonprofit kitten rescue called the Kitten Kingdom, where, aside from saving feline lives, she sees this adventure as a great opportunity to bring more joy into more lives, including her own. Today, Pam is sharing with us a bit about how nutrition, health, and wellness are essential parts of the spiritual journey. A holistic approach is the best approach, so come hear what her 37 plus years have taught her. Before we dive into this conversation, though, I'd like to remind you that this show is funded by my work at thedivinerlife.com, by the members of my Club Divine family, and of course, by my podcast patrons. So if you love Let's Be Omnist, definitely make sure that you head over to thedivinerlife.com podcast to learn how you can become a patron today. Now go ahead and grab yourself a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a cup of whatever you'd like, because in the spirit of truth and honesty, here's my conversation with Pam. So thank you so much, Pam, for being here. I am so excited to have you on Let's Be Omnist. How are you doing tonight? I am doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me. It is truly a pleasure and an honor to be chatting with you this evening or whenever we air. (laughs) Of course. I uh, was really, really excited to talk to you because for those that don't know, Pam is a yoga teacher at a yoga studio here where I live. And I've been to a lot of yoga classes, but there is something about the way that Pam runs her class that made me like, okay, she's onto something, she's doing something, she's in it. Like you just have this really interesting flow to the way that you do class that makes me feel alive. So I was like, I know there's something going on in that brain of hers and I need to find out what it is. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Thank you. No problem. Before I go on about who you are and what you do, I'm just going to go ahead and ask you, go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Pam Delatoile and I am a yoga leader, instructor, um, guide, however we want to look at it. And that's part of what I do. But in my professional life, for the most part, I have worked in the health and wellness field, coaching people on how to make the best possible lifestyle choices around all of what I call the five pillars of living healthy, which is getting great sleep. It is having an outlet for stress, whether it's yoga or knitting or music or whatever. It is, of course, our nutrition and our hydration and then our 
physical exercise or activity. So I've educated people around that that platform for going on 37 years now. And I love it. Um, That's one part of me. And that's the part, I guess, that brings income into my life. And the (laughs) other part of me that that I probably love as much, if not more, is um, taking care of little critters. I'm a, a kitten advocate and I've got a little not-for-profit organization that I just established this year, the first of the year. And so I take orphan and injured and ill kittens and do my best to bring them back to a state of health where they can be rehomed or homed for the first time. So there's all that to me on the surface, I guess. And then there's that deeper level that is exactly what I hope to communicate in my yoga practice, which is just um, just to be sort of a catalyst or to be a bridge, if you will, for people to be in a safe and comfortable place so they can just be themselves, explore who they are, maybe reveal to themselves for the first time who they are, and to, to just have a place to just enjoy that, even if it's just an hour or 75 minutes at a time. So that's just a little bit about what I'm doing right now, who I am. Wow. There is certainly a lot in there that I want to unpack, <laughs> pick apart and ask questions about. But I'm going to do that in just a second because I want to, like you said, like there's deeper core parts of you. And so I want to talk about maybe a little bit of that first. And we're going to play a quick game of two truths that a lie. Is that okay? That is fine. <laughs> yes. So the rules for people who may have never heard my show before, um, Pam is going to share two truths and one lie about herself. And then I'm going to guess which one is the lie. So whenever you're ready, dive right in. Okay. So I'm just going to say three facts about me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Point number one, I am the middle child in my family. Uh, Second, I had the opportunity in the year 2015 to meet Dr. Wayne Dyer, who has been a mentor role model in my life. It was the highlight of, of my my life as an adult, as someone exploring the spiritual and yeah, the spiritual world in that respect. And then the last thing is that I have completed over 50 marathons. Oh, okay. So we are friends on Facebook and I'm pretty sure that I've seen a picture of you with a medal around your neck. <laughs> so, and that's, uh, that's like a really vague potential. I don't even know if that's a hundred percent true. And you sound like you really enjoyed that meeting with Dr. Wayne Dwyer. So I'm going to say that you are not the middle child. Actually, I am the middle child. Oh man. <laughs> and my story about Dr. Dyer is I had tickets that were gifted to me to, um, Hay House has a production they do every year called I Can Do It. Yep. And he was the keynote speaker scheduled in Orlando, Florida in 2015. And that was in September. And he passed away at the end of August or it was in October and he passed away. I'm pretty sure he passed away at the end of August, but it was like 11 days before he was to be the keynote uh. speaker. And I was so excited because he's been a mentor of mine as long as I could read and listen. And I never got to see him in person before he passed away. Dang. So, I know. So I I feel like I was just excited to be, they did this amazing tribute to his life during his keynote time. His family was there. His daughter, Sky is a singer and she sang um, leader of the band. Of course, we were all in tears. 
And each of the Hay House professionals that worked with him did a tribute to him, Nick Ortner and Nancy Levin and Reed, um, Reed Tracy and Marianne Williamson. I mean, it was just amazing. But I was like, oh, no, I missed my time. So uh, that was, yeah, that, that's a, that was a disappointment. But at the same time, I was so grateful to be there with his family. So that means that you did, in fact, run, you said 50 marathons or over 50 marathons? It's over 50. And I was going to say 100, but it might not be 100. I Honestly, I had a 10-year span where I did a lot of that type of activity. And there were years when um, when I ran four or sometimes five in a year. So yeah, it was definitely over 50. So Wow. Yeah. I am tired just hearing that. Like you've seen <laughs> me at 5.30 in the morning. You know what I look like. And it is not pretty. So like the <laughs> thought of doing that much exercise is just exhausting to me. <laughs> Um, so in, I know you mentioned that you've been in the health and wellness field for 35 years. How many years now? Yeah. 37 ish. 37. Mm -hmm. So that's quite a long time to be dedicated to one field. I'm curious where in there you kind of started your spiritual journey or like, cause you mentioned Hay House. So obviously you're poking your head in and out of, you know, some spiritual concepts. Where did your spiritual journey really start? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I, I love when you ask your guests that. I listen to each and every one. Sorry. <laughs> I think sometimes, though, that we're kind of born into it. And um, I, I was, like I said, I was the middle child. And there's just something about being the middle child, I think, that um, it's just you're in this place where you have to find out who you are. And I, I was always the introvert, sort of the one that could be quiet for the longest. And so I think I kind of came into this world in that agenda, in that sort mm. of exploring the, the spiritual end of things. I always had questions about life. I always had questions about the concept of God. I always had questions about, um, you know, why you chose the path you chose this time around and all that kind of stuff. And I can't remember a time where I wasn't inquiring of, at least of myself, those kind of questions. Um, but I think defining moments when I was in my tweens, we'll call it, you know, 12-ish, <laughs> I, I really was very aware of the external world and their, um, their body image, expectations of females. I was an athlete, very much a tomboy. And there was that shift where, you know, that people start getting interested in dating and this and that. And I became very, very introverted and introverted at that point in my life. And I actually had an eating disorder for several years. So um, to come through that, I was sort of a self-education process that I brought nutrition into my life. And I understood the value of sports. Of course, always, I always did that, but then exercise with purpose and so forth. So somewhere in there, I had to kind of get a hold of my head and say, if you don't get over this, you're going to die. And that's probably wasn't really what I wanted to do, but I really didn't know how to stop the whole eating disorder thing. So I, um, I started to explore different places that people could help me. And so it's an, it was an interesting journey because someone gave me a Tony Robbins kind of disc sequence kind of mm. thing. I listened to all of that. And that led me to some references he made about Deepak Chopra. And so I 
like started to explore him. And then he did a lot of stuff with Wayne Dyer. So it was like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. I just started following <laughs> people who referred other people. And I landed in this great place where I was able to really bring all of this knowledge and all of this wisdom and role modeling and into my life. And I attribute that to it, saving my life and helping me build a little bit of confidence in moving forward into adulthood. But it was very much a self-exploration thing. It's not something my family, they're very scientific, if you will, very black and white, you know, Mm. They're like, you have to see it before you believe it. And I'm, you know, Dr. Dyer wrote that book. If you know, you will, you will see it when you believe it. And I was like, yeah, that's what I mean. (laughs) That's that's what I'm thinking. So that's kind of where I arrived at just, just a thirst and a hunger for so many different perspectives on how this universe works, how we weave energy together how we build each other up, how we integrate all life forms as equally important. And that's sort of the platform that, that I'm building now. That's really interesting. So uh, your, what you define as your spiritual journey isn't something that's necessarily, and correct me if I'm wrong, of course, it's not necessarily like mystical or you didn't have like some big uh, come to Jesus moment. You essentially had more of a like come to self moment. Yeah, it was very much of that. It was very much me trying to figure out how this whole thing called life works. And I just, I find it really fascinating. And it's just, it is a thirst for knowledge or perspective, I think, because I can listen to Abraham and Esther Hicks and I can listen to Dr. Dyer. And I spent a lot of time with Dr. Joe Dispenza and they all have, um, they're all heading in a similar direction and they all have different sort of magic carpets that you take on that ride. And I love them all. And there are days when I'll flip one of them on and listen to them or YouTube. And there's days when I'll open someone else's book and, and there's days when I'll listen to someone else's audio and it just, just fills me up. So yeah. Got it. Well, so this, I, this is going to sound like a little off topic, but I promise I have a point and I'll come back to it. Um, tell me, what led you to get your education in psychology and human behavior? It was really because um, I went through that period of time where I had the eating disorder. And in, in coming through that, it was a time when like anorexia wasn't you know, so much explored and there wasn't a lot of therapies, wasn't a big understanding of it. And I felt like if I'm going to get through this, I need to understand it. And it, it truly, it's a a physical manifestation for sure, but it is a a disease, if you will, or it's a a thought process that takes you into the rabbit hole. And that is part, I wanted to understand how the human brain works. Like how do people get, get to the point where they can plummet into these different places. And I was really curious about psychological disorders that are defined, whether it's bipolarism or Mm. people that have anxiety or panic attacks. And like, how is the brain functioning for them? How are, you know, what happened to them? What, what external variables were they unable to process? It took them down, like took the carpet out from underneath their feet or whatever happened. And how can we help them? You know, if you if you can understand where it came from or how it happened, you might be able to pull people 
out of the hole. You know, I, I realized at one point, somebody said this, I was like, wow, that's so profound is when you fall in a hole, you know, there's this expression, dig yourself out of the hole. If you mm-hmm. keep digging, you're not getting out of that hole. <laughs> the only thing you can do when you're in a hole is stop digging and reach up. If you keep digging, you're going down further. So, um, you know, it was just that understanding of how do we lift people up and get them out of the different little divots that we trip into in our life. And I was just fascinated. I had some great, great professors. I spent my first year at Emerson College in Boston, and then I finished my undergraduate work in Stonehill College in Easton, Massachusetts. Um, and I co—I had a, um, a dual degree in philosophy, which I absolutely loved. Really? Yeah. I just had the best philosophy. And I went to a Catholic college, which is so weird because I, I'm non-denominational. And if we did have a denomination in my family, it would be Protestant. But I don't even know what any of that means. <laughs> I never followed it. I don't even know anything about it. But um, I had a great like religion teacher, and I had a great course called Death and Dying, and you know, I had a great philosophy teacher, and I just like if you could make a living being a philosopher, I, I think I was born in the Aristotle, you know, Socrates days, and I just am back now for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> but that I loved in the tie-in between philosophy and psychology, I think eventually led me to yoga because it's sort of a um, a weave or a blend of those two things, in my opinion, you know? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, the point that I promised I would come back to, uh, (laughs) is I was really interested in, uh, your interest in the human brain and the mind, because it sounds like that's kind of where your spiritual journey lives is more in the physical body. Uh, and I had this image in my head of how people always say that like the body's a temple. And so I p- kind of pictured you as someone who is like a temple keeper, like mm-hmm. someone who teaches people like, hey, I may not be teaching you about the spirit and I may not be teaching you about like the woo-woo mystical side of spirituality, but your spirit has to live somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of how I see what you do. Yeah. So tell me how, like what, what does your work in nutrition look like? Well, it looks like whatever is important to my patient referral or client. So one of the things I did not want to do in nutrition is I did not want to be a registered dietitian who is sent patients that are mandated to lose weight or improve their symptoms and try to manage their medication with better nutrition choices. I want to work with people who want to get better, who want to get healthier, who want to explore the value of food as our medicine and leave medicine to be, you know, in the background. And so I want each person to have a very personal experience. I think not that different than tarot card reading is when you sit down with one of your clients, you may, you know, ask them a question or two, and then you kind of ground yourself probably. And then you let the cards just kind of have the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I try to do the same thing with my nutrition clients is tell me what's important to you because it doesn't really matter what's important to me or your spouse or your kids or, you know, the doctor, what matters is what's important to you. And that's where we're going to go. And that's what you, I think that's sort of is my, my perspective on everything that I've ever done. It's like, what do you want? Even when I'm adopting out a kitten, it's like, what do you want? And I'll tell you what I can discern of the personalities around here that will be a good fit for what you're looking for. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter what I 
think about it. Just let's unpack what you think. So that's what I do. And then based on that, you know, some people might be a hundred pounds overweight and they don't care about losing weight. They just want to be able to play with their kids or they want to be able to, um, walk the Mayan ruins because they're about to go on a cruise that drops them off at that spot or what have you. It's not for me to decide. It's for me to guide. I Just like I say in yoga is I'm kind of the tour guide. You tell me where you want to go and we're going to go together. I'm going to show you the highlights. I'm going to let you go off and explore. And um, I'll give you my truth about things. I'm certainly not going to tell you to go eat Snickers and pizza. And you're going to <laughs> away, but if that's what you want to do, I might be able to help you incorporate that for sure. So Got it. So you kind of do like a build it yourself, um, pick what you need, choose your own adventure version. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm going to be honest, you know, there's some if people want to pick the things that aren't going to make them healthy. I am going to tell them that. And that's probably, I'm going to probably say you're not in the right place. I'm not a professional coach that can help you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's definitely a truth to it and it's an obligation I have to be honest with people. I try to do it in the nicest possible way. But, you know, for things to change, we have to change. That's just the standard. It's the whole, um, it's the whole definition of insanity. It's like, we cannot expect new outcomes if we're not willing to take a different journey. And that's true for everything. Mm. I really love, and I talk about it on the show a lot. I love when people take like a holistic approach or they really pay attention to like more holistic ideals. Um, because I, I personally think it's important. And so I'm thinking about how like this nutrition process or the, uh, you know, just fitness and wellness in general process that you work with your clients on probably causes all sorts of other interesting things to happen in their life. Do you find that that's true or am I just kind of living in a fantasy world thinking about that? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I think, um, decline of health is, in a lot of cases, it's people are manifesting decline of a lot of other things. It's maybe lack of confidence or decline in the confidence of a relationship. Maybe things aren't going so great at work. There's a whole bunch of things that tie into food being a vehicle for comfort, food being a vehicle for self-punishment. It's the same as with alcohol and sometimes with drugs is it's, you know, food sugar is, is 10 times more addictive than heroin. So food is, I mean, sugar is the legal drug that everybody can indulge in over and over and over again. And no one's going to step in and say, Hey, I think you've had enough, you know, <laughs> and a lot of times it's being done in the closet. It's being done behind closed doors and so forth. It's not, it's not something that we do and people you just drive us home because we, we had a little too much or anything like that. So yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it, it's something that I absolutely try to approach things from, from that perspective. Yeah. Do you find, um, that there's a pretty common thread or like one thing that you find yourself regularly addressing with everybody, even though you do kind of choose, um, you know, like what that individual client needs, is there still something that you always find yourself coming back to? Yeah, I think if I could um, maybe stereotype a little bit. Um, Go the, for it. The typical Welcome. This is an open show. Say what you need. <laughs> um, we are a culture in America of gluttony. You know, we indulge in everything. There's a sweet little girl that comes to our yoga class and she is from another country where when they have wine, 
they have a splash with their, sometimes with their mid-morning snack or their, their lunch. And it's something that they don't become dysfunctional or irritated or obnoxious or as we might call rip-roaring drunk around here, <laughs> they just have it as a complement to their meal, like a little parsley on top kind of thing. And I think if I were to look at a lot of the client base here, we tend to use alcohol as a vehicle of escape. We tend to use fat and sugar as a vehicle of escape. So there's a gluttonous and a, a portion issue that's almost all across the board prevalent. So I, you know, I, I often say to clients, if we could just take what you eat at dinner and spread it out through the day, even if it is like pizza and nachos, we would be doing a whole lot better than eating 2000 calories between eight and midnight and then going to bed and wondering why we can't sleep. So it's, there's those kind of things. People are breakfast skippers are on the go. They're highly caffeinated going into their day. And as their day winds down and their social life kind of meets them at the end of the day, we indulge overly in all of this kind of crazy, high caloric, very toxic kind of stuff. And then we don't sleep real well and we get up and we do it all over again. It's this little routine of doing things. So we just try to back it off and take one step at a time. But that is a common thread in our culture. If we were to go to Europe, we were to go to you know some of the islands and some of the other places that aren't so Americanized, you would see that people indulge in beautiful food but in small quantities and they spread it out through the day. And it's really a very different approach. Food is really, truly an art. It's really, truly a fuel system. And it's not something that we are trying to bury our woes in. Same with alcohol. Yeah, that's what Mm. I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that for a few reasons. One, you just described my regular eating patterns. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Two, my sister, uh, for a long time, she studied overseas. She was in Italy for a while. And I remember when she came home and I looked at her and I, it's not necessarily that she had lost a lot of weight, which yes, she did lose some weight. Um, But when she came home, she looked healthier like her skin was different her hair was different she smiled differently and I remember asking her like what did you do and she was like well one the food is fresh you literally have to like walk to the market every day because it's not a food convenience kind of place and she said that she learned to eat smaller portions because other people ate smaller portions throughout the day and I was like okay clearly didn't change what I do now but I did see it works (laughs) Well, witness to it for sure, but that's that's absolutely true. And it's a great point that she brought home that in other countries there are not preservatives, there's not artificial colors, there's not non-nutritive sweeteners. There's everything is real, and um, we have become a business of manufacturing food for long shelf life preservation of of shelf life, really. Uh, And without regard for what that does, when that, we always say preservatives don't stop preserving just because you put them in your body. So we're like embalming Mm. ourselves to a certain extent with some of the foods that we put in there. And that's not real good for our digestion or the absorption of our nutrients. It's not good for the flow of our intestines or our body's ability to generate real healthy blood cells and carry and deliver oxygen well. So it, but it's very it's a very American thing. When you do explore other places, you know, that's especially Europe is a great example, then they don't have it. Even Canada, their government 
um, has a, has regulatory standards on things like supplements that are very, very strict and very, very um, well looked at so that for the protection of the public and for the protection of their countrymen and women. So it's really an interesting place where we are. We're very much about fast and furious and it's not always serving us really, really well. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I am one who uh, I try to be conscious of it, but at the same time, I do enjoy the, you know, things like pizza and Snickers, as you so politely called out. <laughs> um, but I am just also curious, you know, um, something I've experienced recently is I did switch over to a vegetarian diet after I did my interview with uh, the New Age Hipster last yeah. season. Yeah. And because we had a whole discussion about like animal products and, how they affect the spirit, because there's a lot of cultures that believe that you essentially ingest those emotions. And so I'm curious how you've just kind of sparked this idea in my head of like how those other chemicals and preservatives and things may also affect people on a spiritual level. Um, and so, sorry, you just sent me, like my brain is going down a whole weird rabbit hole about right, let's go. Like <laughs> chemicals and, uh, things that are fake and what does that do to your spirit? Oh, I'm so interested that we can, we yeah. can talk about that <laughs> for a long time. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I do want to take a quick detour though. And, um, speaking of like other religions and what they believe, uh, compassion is a really common thing in other religions. and. I know that you had mentioned at the beginning of the show that you started a kitten rescue this year. I did. And can we kind of like change tracks for a minute and chat a little bit about what got you into that world? Sure. Absolutely. I think we have always, I have always, I grew up around animals. There was never a time in my home that we didn't have uh, cats. And then it, when I was very young, probably or maybe five, we got our first dog. I've never not had a dog since then. So I've always grown up around animals. And my dad was the sort of hammer down, no more animals. And my mom was like, oh, just one more, you know, that kind <laughs> of person. So, but I love kittens. There's um, there's an innocence about them. And there's a, there's such a strong little species of beings there it's just they're very amazing and kittens grow up to be cats so once they're a year old they all or even eight months old they all look and act like adults and then there's no more kid i mean you have the playfulness but there's something about that zero to 12 week old magical time in their life where you're just watching them take in the world some people see it with human babies and I've never been the woman that wants to have human babies. I don't have any children. And as people watch and explore what their little kids are doing, I'm like, yeah, that's nice. It just doesn't strike me. I didn't have that, you know, I guess that womanly thing that a lot of women have. But when I watch a kitten or even a puppy and watch them figuring out their world, it's just, I could literally sit with them around me and just lose all track of time. So mm. that's just my really super happy place. And I thought I was offered an opportunity several years ago to foster. And just that just means taking a couple that are too young to be permanently adopted. They need some more veterinary care before they can go to a permanent home. And I fell in love with the process. And it has its ups and downs for sure. There's a lot of tragedy in it. There's a lot of um great, beautiful moments. 
And I just sort of have found a place where I'm just so happy. I have a, I do think I have a spiritual connection with them. They, you know, they look in your eyes and you just go, wow, you're just such a, just a beautiful little being. So, um, and I just keep saying to some of my friends, my, you know, business friends and whatever is like, can you help me figure out how do you make a living doing this? Because it's, uh, it's very, it, it would be so much fun to just do this every day, you know, and make a living somehow, but um, I haven't figured it out yet. So <laughs> if any well, of your listeners know, they can, they can find me and help me with that. <laughs> I will make sure that if I hear anyone respond that way, I will make sure to send them your way because I have seen you not only talk about them in person, but now like even uh, over this call, I can hear it in your voice still the way that you are passionate about them, I know that you could make it work. You know what I mean? Like it, it just makes me happy that you're doing it from a place of such care and kindness. Um, and I know too, like one of the things that you already do to kind of bring it out into the world is um, you do like kitten and puppy yoga sometimes, right? Didn't you offer that at the studio once? Yeah, actually I haven't done it this year um, because I've had Unfortunately, I've had a lot of sick kittens, and um, as we put multiple hands on them, their tendency to get sick gets a little bit more intense. But in the years past, especially my relationship with Kula is eight or nine years strong. I've been with them as, as long as they've been, the studio's been open where we go. So Jackie, who owns the studio, has given me a lot of freedom to introduce programs. So we've done quite a few kitten karma yoga classes. And there's not a whole lot of yoga that goes on during those classes. I have to tell you, there's a whole lot of kitten playtime, but it's really fun to watch the interaction because it doesn't matter what age or gender or anything that a person is. When they come to Kitten Karma, they're just in heaven and the kittens just run and play and lay with them. And it's just, it's such a fun, you know, hour that we spend together. It was intended to be an adoption event, but it always just turns out to just a big love fest. And I just think that's awesome. So yeah, mm. I love doing that. I love, we have the kittens go to uh, the senior center and the nursing homes once a week, any ones that are healthy. So they take the kittens to like assisted living homes and nursing homes. And so they spend a half an hour once a week with our seniors. It's just so beautiful to watch the our seniors just light up and just be able to hold a baby. It's just really amazing. And yeah, you know, there's great programs where kids come in and they read to the kittens and they're part of that whole process. So I just, there's so much community that we can do so much education that we can do just to bring those, the spirits of these babies together with our, either our super seniors or our upcoming future animal lovers, animal whisperers, so to speak. And I love being part of that and being able to provide that. That's it's definitely a great part of what we do. Yeah, I really love that because I, I mean, I personally believe that there's like um, a spiritual energy to animals. I think that they certainly understand humans way better than humans understand humans. Um, right. And it's so interesting that you specifically work with cats. I had just done... Um, an interview with a gentleman who is an animal communicator. And he specifically said that he thinks that cats um, are like an older energy than dogs and that they really have a lot to teach humans. And so I'm just thinking about how interesting it is that you get to spend so much time with like what you refer to as a little kitten, but 
you know, according to my friend, uh, they're actually much older than just that little kitten that you see. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, it's super interesting. Um, I'm going to dial back because I think that there is a connection here that I want to get to. Can you remind me what your five pillars were that you had mentioned at the very beginning of the call? Sure. Yeah. Nutrition and hydration is one. Sleep is another. Our activity program, you know, strength training or cardiovascular fitness is another. And our outlet for stress, whatever that is. For some people, it is yoga. For some people, it's music. It's art. For some people, it's walks in the woods. For some people, it's like video gaming. And and that's fine as long as whatever we choose to do, we do it in a way that's therapeutic. And it's not, um, you know, we're not doing it in anger and competition. So for some people, running is very therapeutic because it's a release. And for other people, they're out there either trying to kill it or kill themselves because they have some sort of a vendetta with the world <laughs> and they're trying to prove that they're faster and faster. So every, you know, there's so many things that can be our outlet for stress and that's such a big deal these days. It's such a, it's such an important part of living in health is you can have the greatest nutrition program. You can be properly hydrated, get your eight hours of sleep, and you can be so wound up internally that you have the internal chemistry of someone who smokes a pack a day, drinks alcohol, and eats a crappy diet. So the stress part, people really need to embrace and understand that they deserve some time to themselves and an outlet for their stress. And it can be as personal as our choices in anything else. Just as long as when they do that, they just lose track of time. It's just like you don't even, you have no agenda with the external world when you're in your stress release place. And that's really, that's why it can be anything. Okay, perfect. I'm so glad that you elaborated specifically on that one because that's the point that I was hoping that I had heard. Um, And I was going to ask you, for you, um, you know, one of the things you had said that can be a stress relief option would be yoga, but that's also part of what you do professionally. So for you, is your stress relief more the yoga or is it more your kitten playtime? That's a really good question. I think that my stress release time is, or my stress release activity is very diverse. I don't think it's just one thing. I can be a student in yoga and completely lose myself. You know, I can be, I love doing things like painting with a twist, you know, going to do that kind of stuff in that two hour span while we're doing that. I don't even know where I am. I don't, there's nobody around me. I don't necessarily even hear the instructor. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's, um, there's these little different places you can go. There's sometimes pubs, bars, and there's some specific places and they lay out a canvas or a palette and they guide you on how to create on that. So you can do any colors you want. They give you specific things to follow. But So I love painting with a twist. I can lose myself and be in a non-stressed place listening to or reading a book. You know, I can definitely walk in the woods. There are some of my runs and my bike rides that are so therapeutic. I just have no idea what time it is or how many miles I've gone. So there's so many things. For some people are real specific, like a lot of people, it's a particular sport, it's golf, it's this, it's that, whatever. But mine, I think is very diverse. It's just the kitten time is for sure part of it. Absolutely. But they can be very stressful if they're all sick and I'm mm. um, interacting with them and I'm medicating them and I'm 
cleaning up after them and praying they don't die in my arms, you know, that's, it's not so therapeutic in those moments. So it just really depends, I think. And I, I would imagine most people have more than one thing. Got it. So it sounds like kitten time is more like, um, sometimes you need stress relief from your stress relief. <laughs> I didn't, like vacation or vacation. We all need it sometimes. Yes. Oh, that is so funny. Um, okay. So, uh, last thing that I want to ask you before I let you go is my favorite question that I ask every guest. If you have to leave the listeners with one really great piece of advice that you have learned in all of your time doing what you do, what do you feel like that piece of advice would be? And some people end up choosing more than one. So if you have to feel free, but, um, at least one. Yeah, I think I've said this a few times this this year already in yoga. This is 2020 is the year of you do you. I think I've spent so much of my life trying to do what everyone expected me to do or responding to what people expected I would do or just following the beat of someone else's drummer. And I never intended to be that way. I always wanted to, but I'm a people pleaser. And I think when I am out there, especially in the nutrition coaching world, there are a lot of people pleasers out there. There are people that they really have a vision and an idea of what they want to do with their life or what they want to do with their day or what they want to do with their finances or what they want to do in their relationship. And they are there's just no shortage of people with an opinion about what you should do with your life or what we should do with our life. So I think if I could leave everybody with a thought is just spend a little time at the end of every month or every day or every week to spend some time and decide where you're going and who you want to be and how you're going to add value to this planet while you're here and i think if you honor yourself and you're respectful of others but you honor yourself and you learn the tools to just respectfully dismiss other people's opinion as theirs and not something that you're forced to integrate into your own thinking, that you'll be uplifted and you'll walk a little lighter. Your shoulders will be a little further back. Your head will be a little taller and you'll be able to not only walk in your truth, but encourage others to do the same. So I'm a big, big fan of everyone just being their own unique individual self and being respectful and and patient with everybody else doing the same thing. I just think if we could integrate a little bit more, just embrace the diversity that we have, we would just be such a happier species on this journey. That was such, that was so good. Let me just say, if anyone, if any listener ever has a chance to, if you're in the greater Daytona area, if you have the chance to go to a class with Pam, absolutely do it. And here's why. What you just heard, from Pam is exactly how she ends almost every single class. And you're just like laying there and you want to just kind of be mad that you're sweating so much, but she just calmly walks through the room and gives you like this life speech that changes your entire day, your entire week. Honestly, like it's changed my entire life. So if you ever have a chance to hear more from Pam, like show up, be there, do it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying all that you say. Oh, it's totally my pleasure. And thank you for having this platform where so many beautiful, different, diverse people can just 
be themselves and they can just, you know, just be available to the world. It's just such a beautiful thing that you have. So appreciate you. Oh, well, thank you. If people want to get to know you better or work with you, um, what would be the best way for them to keep in contact? If they have, you're welcome to visit me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, all of those things is just Pam Delajwal. It's just my sort of handle, if you will. If they want to take a look at what we're doing in the Kitten Kingdom, the website is www.thekittenkingdom.net. And we are also on Instagram and Facebook. It's the Kitten Cave on Facebook and Instagram. We're in a transition period, so it's a little confusing there. But any of those places, just reach out. We'd love to have you. We'd love to show you what we're doing. And I'd just love to chat with you. Facebook friend me and you. Know, let's just take this journey together. That sounds so good. I will make sure that I keep all of those links updated. So if you are in transition and things change, um, no matter when someone's listening to this, I'll make sure that those links are correct for you. Um, But thank you again so much for taking the time to chat with me tonight. I really appreciate you. um, And I hope to see you in class soon. Yay. Thank you so much, Michael. All right, all right. That was my conversation with Pam Delatoile. Thank you, Pam, for being so willing to chat with me. And let me just say to you one more time that your journey is incredibly inspiring and you should never doubt the impact that you're having on the lives of other people. If you would like to learn more about Pam or work with her in any way, you can find her on Instagram or Facebook at Pam Delatoile. While you're out there clicking through the web, take some time to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Diviner Life. And if you'd like to learn more about my offerings, you can check out thedivinerlife.com. By the way, I know you love the show, so go ahead and be honest about it. Leave a rating or a review to let others know how you feel. And you can also check out thedivinerlife.com slash podcast to learn how you can become a supporting patron of the show. Thanks for listening. Remember to share with your friends, your yoga instructors, your nutritionist, or whoever else you may come in contact with today. Don't forget that I love you. I appreciate you, and until next time, be true, be you, be omnist.